The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 69 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Uh, it is our first show of July, July 2nd. I'm going to, in advance, before I forget, wish everybody a happy 4th of July weekend. And Bryce, my first question for you is, are we too old now that we both have jobs to go, <laughs> nice, because it's episode 69? All crossed my mind, but I, 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 I felt like it was I was too mature to say it. Or was it because you had a sandwich in your mouth when I said it? No. Well, the sandwich definitely bought me more time. And for anyone, wondering, for anyone who's wondering, even if that is just me, uh, what kind of sandwich are you rocking for dinner? I, I, I grilled a piece of chicken, threw a, threw a piece of cheese on it. I think Munster. I think I've been doing Munster cheese of late. Uh, and then I couldn't decide what topping or what sauce. So I have ketchup, mustard, ranch, and hot sauce. Going for the whole cabinet, and was that cheese selection inspired by the fact that you have recently watched the classic 50s show, The Monsters? No. I do send a lot of Wednesday Wednesday gifs. Oh, am I thinking of, are you thinking of The Addams Family? Or? No, you're thinking of The Addams Family. The Monsters is its own show. Wednesday Addams, though, is The Addams Family. <laughs> well, I was thinking of The Addams Family, so maybe maybe that helped. Similar vibe. I mean, Herman Munster is Frankenstein, though. Well, I don't know, man. I don't even, I don't, let's, let's, uh, the Addis family. Da-da-da-da. So number 69, only worn once in Yankee history. Um, so for such a celebrated number in the world, not a lot of celebrated Yankee history. Uh, and that was worn by Alan Mills in 1990. Uh, and in case you don't remember Alan Mills, he went 39 and 32 with the 412 ERA across 12 years in the major leagues. And that's all I got on Alan Mills. That's, that's as mediocre as it gets. You know those commercials, Foreman Mills. You get those in New York? I don't know what you're talking about. What is Foreman Mills? I've seen the commercial for sure. Uh, oh, it's a retail chain company based in New Jersey, and it doesn't actually mention uh, what items it sells. Chain is known for low-priced clothing such as shirts, pants, shorts, capri pants, and hats. So maybe we'll get you a pair of capri pants for uh, the summer rush. I think I have some. I buy that. I think it's just a bunch of my shorts are way too long. They uh, they cross the threshold into Capri. I very much agree with that, and I know the exact shorts you're talking about. So let me ask you this. Given that you know the country's still on lockdown and it doesn't really feel like it's a holiday weekend, uh, what holiday has been more will be more celebrated this week, the 4th of July or our dear friend Sam Beck's favorite holiday that was yesterday, Bobby Bonilla Day? The 4th of July because it's still got fireworks and you still have the Nathan's Hot Dog Contest. Where are they doing the and hot people, dog? What? Where are they doing the hot dog contest? I went last year. It was great. It was super hot, uh, and I was bought into the precinct of a police station for the first time. So very eventful Fourth of July. They're doing it at down at Coney Island, I believe. It's just no fans allowed. That, in my mind, kind of makes it depressing that you then have just like ten to twelve men and women stuffing their faces with as many hot dogs as they can for 10 to 12 minutes with no fanfare on top of it. Then it kind of just becomes a walking advertisement for heart disease. <laughs> I stopped myself short because I was about to, I was about to do another advertisement for heart disease. 
Yeah, don't don't plug any medication right now. Um, but Bobby Bonilla Day, for those who don't know what it is, um, every July first, Bobby Bonilla receives a check for one million one million one hundred ninety three thousand two hundred forty eight dollars and twenty cents, and he has received one since two thousand eleven on July first, and will receive one through two thousand thirty five, courtesy of the Mets buying out the remaining five point nine million dollars of his contract in two thousand. Um, they negotiated an eight percent interest, and again, if you don't realize why the Mets made this deal, it was because they made an investment uh, with Bernie Madoff that promised double digits returns, and the Mets proposed to make a significant profit if the account delivered. Obviously, we know it didn't, and the Mets not only lost a ton of money there, but instead of paying Benia five point nine million, uh, they are paying him upwards of thir- what's one point two times twenty five. I should be able to do that. It's over thirty million. Instead, they're paying him over $30 million. Uh, in reading this article on ESPN, though, what I didn't know is that Bonilla, in a second deferred contract plan with the Mets and Orioles, uh, since 2004, he's gotten an additional five hundred grand a year for 25 years. So Bobby Bonilla is making $1.7 million a year for not playing at all. Um, and again, when we look at a guy like Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer is going to get through, tw- I think it's 2021 through 2028. Uh, he's gonna get, I think, like 105 million in deferred money. Yeah, I think uh, it's 15 a year for Scherzer. So it's not that it's the biggest deferred money. It's just differences. Scherzer, they used that deferred money and then won a World Series, and also Scherzer crushed it for the Nationals. And I know Mets fans will say they used that money to sign Derek Bell. Derek Bell then went to the Rockies, and they used that pick to draft David Wright. But don't try to justify this. This is the most Wilpon of Wilpon moves. Um, and another interesting one, Hall of Famer Bruce Suter. Did you know this one? Uh, he signed a deal with the Braves before the 85 season that was supposed to pay him 750 grand uh, a year. But instead, he's going to get $1.12 million 30 years to the day that he retired. Um, so from about 1990 to 2020, Bruce Suter has quietly gotten $1.12 million a year. I feel like that one never gets talked about, uh, probably just because it's not the Mets. I think that's exactly what it is. Braves have been good. And Bruce Suter Day doesn't years, roll. The Braves have been really good. That's true. And Bruce Suter Day doesn't roll off the tongue like Bobby Bonilla Day. Is Bruce Suter Hall of – is he in the Hall? I think he is. Bruce Suter is most definitely in the Hall. So there you go. I mean, that's another reason. So the only thing crazier than Bobby Bonilla Day uh, yesterday was – the comment that everybody's favorite commissioner, Rob Manfred, said on the Dan Patrick show. Uh, He said, I know people have talked about longer seasons. The reality is we weren't going to play more than 60 games no matter how the negotiations with the players went or any factor. 60 games is the outside of the end goal given the realities of the times. I think this is one thing that we come back to every single day. We're trying to manage something that has proven to be unpredictable and unmanageable. I know it hasn't looked particularly pretty in in spots, but having said that, if we could pull off the 60-game season – think it was the best we were going to do for our fans given the pandemic. And Patrick followed up asking, but even if the players accepted everything you offered, there was no way you would have gone to 80 games. And Manfred said, it's a calendar, Dan. We're playing 60 and 63 days right now. I don't see, given the reality of the health situation over the past few weeks, how we were going to get any get going any faster than the calendar we're on now, and no matter what the state of those negotiations were. Of He's, all right. Manfred's, He's right. Manfred's right. He's right at the moment. But No, he's right. Yeah, he's right at the moment, so he's right. He's I, just right. Think, I, I don't know how you could publicly come out, though, and say that you tarnished the reputation of baseball for the past three months by pretty much saying, to me, this is proof the owners weren't negotiating in good faith. He is saying that no matter what the players threw out, they were only going to do 60 games. And if they had started in mid-April, yeah, maybe the real – right now, yes, you can only play 60 games. But if this bullshit negotiation didn't drag out as long as he could, 80 games could have been a real possibility. It just sounds like Manfred is refusing and has refused to let it go any other way. He's right to do that. One, I think I said this last week. They're probably not going to get a season in at all. But Manfred wanting the regular season wrapped up sooner than later is right. Is that it's a hundred percent right? A sixty-game season that started April first would now be reaching the play, would, or not April first, April thirtieth, which one with the virus in the country was wasn't going to happen. The absolute earliest you could have seen baseball 
get back to open just based on the way the numbers look. I mean, the numbers haven't gotten any better. There was a brief moment in the beginning of June where maybe you had a window, but look at where the country is now on July 2nd. We had 50,000 new cases yesterday. You can't start a baseball season with that number of cases. So, and then when you factor on top of that, all the travel and exposing players to the virus, then you're going to want to limit it. So if that means the 60-game regular season is June through August instead of July, instead of August through September, or whatever the case is, if it started, if it starts, it's what? It starts end of July. If you want to have the season end in 60 games, you need it to end at 60 games. You just can't take a risk going up against this virus. But my question for you then is why not make these comments right at the get-go in March? Because if you say this from the beginning, we're only going to do 60 games, not because of money, but because we need to make sure we get the season in and to limit A, B, and C. I think the, not only the reputation of Manfred, but the reputation of the owners and the games itself is in way less bad of shape than it currently is. Because like, I- This shows to me they went through three months of negotiations and kind of put fans through the ringer for nothing. Because no matter what, it was going to be 60 games. But why, did the, why are you blaming Manfred? Players should have just known that. Sometimes the rules are the rules. Rules is rules, said someone once. But he never publicly made this a rule. That's the thing. Publicly. Publicly, he never said it. But publicly doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I agree with that on some level. I just think for a guy who has had nothing but PR mishaps, you could have had a PR win by making the statement a few months ago. Instead, everybody's taking it as a mishap, even if for all the reasons you said it may be the right answer. Well, I could, also, I could also just at this point hate Manfred so much that anything he says, I'm going to misconstrue to say, fuck you. It's probably somewhere in between. So it was a good discussion. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for thank you for taking the objective medical side. And I take the fan of disgruntled season ticket holder. <laughs> We'll take the objective medical side on every argument we have for the rest of our lives. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not going to be me. I will definitely admit that. Uh, but speaking of no, medical, I mean, there's ob- there's obvious exceptions to that, but that'll be a tease for the viewer. Correct. Some would say that me and you look like grizzly bears right now. To give the viewer another hint, or skull Vikings. How much did it cost you to look like a grizzly bear this week? I didn't get a haircut. What do you What are you oh. saying? I, did you say I didn't get a haircut? Are you not That's picking a, up the clear visual cues that we're dropping? <laughs> yeah, I I totally whiffed. I totally whiffed. So how much did it cost you to be a grizzly man this week? Forty two dollars. Ah, so you, you loaded up to be a grizzly man for like the next week or two. I wish it was a week or two. Godspeed. Godspeed. So speaking of health, you know, one thing that's kind of been on our mind for the beginning of the pandemic is our players going to decide to opt out. And we haven't had any superstars opt out yet, um, but we did have four players opt out this week, the first of which was Mike Leake. Uh, his agent, Dan Horwood, said during this global pandemic, Mike and his family had many discussions about playing the season. They took countless factors into consideration, many of which are personal to him and his family. After thorough consideration, he was chosen to opt out of playing in 2020. This was not an easy decision for Mike. He wished the best of luck and health for his Diamondback teammates this season and look forward to 2021. Week 32 is in the final guaranteed years of his contract. They have a $18 million mutual option for next season, but otherwise Leak will be bought out, bought out for $5 million. Last year between the D-backs and Mariners, 429 ERA, 197 innings. Um, I mean, let me ask you this, and this is going to sound somewhat terrible, but if you're the D-backs, you know, the $18 million prorated, you're probably on the hook for 4 or $5 million by my very rough math at this point. Um, I mean, Leak is an innings eater, but in a shortened season, I think innings eaters are really going to be a thing, and it, it's not really going to make a difference. If you're the D-backs, are you not okay with this, but you're like, eh, we have rotation options. We'll save the $5, 6000000 million at this point. There are worse people to lose than Mike Leak. That's, that's what you're saying. <laughs> sure. That's the nice way of saying what I was saying. I mean, what, you're saying Mike Lee sucks and that the D-Max are better off without him? 
Because I don't think I'm, that part's true. That's too extreme. No, I think if a player was going to You'd definitely rather move. have a Mike Leak on your team than not because he is so – I mean, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. Yeah, he's durable. It's just uh, in a shortened season, I think his value of an – In a shortened season, do you need him to go out there and give up five runs in six innings every five games? No. Exactly. So that's where I think all things considered this was okay for the D-backs. The Nats lost two players, uh, the first of which was Ryan Zimmerman, who was the Nationals' first draft pick when the franchise moved out of Montreal, played for the team his entire career since September 2005. Uh, and with Zimmerman and we're going to mention in a second Ian Desmond, this will be the first time in 50 years that there will be no players drafted by the Montreal Expos in Major League Baseball. Um, Zimmerman, basically, he's got three young children and a newborn, a mother at high risk. He's got a three-week-old baby. His mother's got MS. And uh, basically, he's a guy who wanted to be with his family, see his parents. He wanted to pursue back-to-back titles. Uh, but at the end of the day, he thought it was going to be best to be with his family. Even though Zim's 35, he said he's not retiring at this time, which is good to see. Uh, and his teammate, Joe Ross, age 27, uh, he foregoed his $1.5 million salary this year uh, in five seasons of Major League Baseball. He has been a solid, if unspectacular, arm for the Nats. I mean, who could forget he stepped in on pretty much no-notice pitch game five of the World Series and did okay for the Nationals against the Astros. Last season in 27 games, 4-4, four and 5-4, four, four, ERA, probably would have been the Nationals' fifth starter. So Joe Ross, again, not a huge loss for the Nationals. Um, and honestly, on the field, I, with no Zim, it opens up at bats for Eric Thames, which Please, I think – Can I throw a crazy Nationals thought at you? Sure. What if they in the short – what if they go four-man rotation? They absolutely could. I think I would recommend that. Well, the thing is, too, given that they re-signed Hudson, they signed um, – did they sign Joe Smith or Will Harris? Which Nationals? Will Harris. With, they signed Will Harris. He's he still got the whole run to uh, Kendrick. You know, the bullpen's as deep as it's ever been, uh, and you are four deep in the rotation. I do think Eric Feedy, who was one of their top prospects, they'll give him a shot to win the fifth job. Um, but it's definitely – they're as equipped as any team in baseball would be to do it. I mean, um, do you think – is that is pitching Strasburg on shorter rest that much of an issue? Or with a short season, does it not matter? I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. Um, I, I think at this point, uh, Strasburg's kind of, at least in my mind, put the injury concerns to rest. I'm just looking at their depth chart real quick. I, I mean, the bullpen, you know, you I mean, have look, these if, guys- if you're playing 60 games and you can roll out for 75% of them, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, you're going to win a lot of games. No, I, look, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, it's something they could do. I think ideally they need – if they could go out and get a – a Gio Gonzalez is obviously on the White Sox, but like a Gio Gonzalez type that maybe is like the fifth starter and piggybacks with one of these guys every week, I think that would be great. Um, but I think the Nationals pitching will be fine. My question for you is, you know, on the field, you now, uh, especially with DH, you know, Howie Kendrick, Eric Thames, they're going to get – Many more bats with Zimmerman gone. Uh, so on the field, you're not going to – I don't think you're going to miss Zim a ton. I mean, he had some big hits in the playoffs, but Zim has definitely showed his age. But my question for you is, I mean, this guy is the unquestioned face of Nationals baseball. How much – they've literally never had a France season in franchise history without him. How much do you think they're going to miss his leadership in the clubhouse? Uh, we were so nice to Mike Leach, so I have to phrase my answer to be nice to Ryan Zimmerman. No, I don't. They really won't. They just, that's a team coming off a World Series win. So many veterans. So many. I, that's a they between Scherzer, Strasburg. I mean, they just uh, Dave Martinez. I mean, they trust him now after what he went through last year, starting off so poorly. Um, Zim would be a good ad. I mean, it never hurts to have a strong voice like that in the locker room. But Kendrick's there. I mean, they're they're not. Even Trey Turner's been in that organization a while, and he's young. Like, who are you? Like, does Juan, did Juan Soto look up to Zimmerman every day? I mean, it's gonna hurt. I, they're they're gonna be more hurt by not having Rendon's bat than Zimmerman's leadership. Okay, that's fair. And the last guy who opted out this week is uh, another another guy who came up with the Nats. 
Uh, now he's a Rockies outfielder, and uh, it's too bad this guy's opting out because he was kind of made for the DH. Him and Daniel Murphy would have gotten a lot of reps there, and that's Ian Desmond. Uh, but Desmond came out with what was a eight- or nine-page statement on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to try to paraphrase it, but it was pretty powerful on why he's sitting out. Uh, I mean, the short answer on part of it is he's got three kids. His wife is pregnant. He needs to be home right now. Um, but at the same time, he told the story, Ian Desmond, he's got a very unique perspective on everything that's going on in the world, you know, between racial unrest, the pandemic, et cetera, as a biracial, biracial person in America. Uh, and he just talked about, you know, the two couple examples he gave was when he was in high school, he, after the team would pray, they had two black teammates and the white teammates would go white power at the end of every prayer and not even think about it. He went by his old little league fields. Fields themselves were completely desolate, and he looked up to see the schedule. The schedule was from five years ago. He was talking about a huge underfunding in the community. Uh, he pretty much said, I won't be leaving baseball behind. I'm going to be with my family. But Sarasota Youth Baseball, you know, my goal is to get the Little League and this community back on track. Uh, to me, it was a pretty powerful statement from Desmond. Um, and, again, Desmond probably overpaid. He was going to make $15 million this year, so he was going to make $5.5 million prorated. 255, 20 homers in 140 games last year. But it's just – it's interesting to see players use their platform like this. And, again, like I said, I think Desmond does have such a unique perspective. Uh, Rockies owner Jeff Bridges said, the conversations with Ian felt the exact same that his written words felt to me, uh, which is from the heart and honest. I don't know what he's going to do. I didn't know that he was going to write something as thoughtful and comprehensive as he did, but I'm not surprised. He's wanted to devote a lot of time and energy and thought to all of those things that he does. And so when you have somebody like that who's a professional athlete who's in the thick of it every day and trying to do the very best that he can to hold up his end of the bargain as an athlete, a teammate, a performer and then he's always willing to think about other people on the team and in and outside of the organization it's easy to gravitate to people like that um do you think you know obviously the nba just because it is such a predominantly black sport you have all of these guys i mean kyrie irving leading the fray for people to sit out due to activism you know my first question is do we think and obviously a big part of desmond's reason for sitting out is he's got three kids his wife's pregnant uh, to me, that's the starting point. But do you think we're going to see more black baseball players around the league using their platform and sitting out as a form of social activism like we've seen proposed across the NBA? Uh, I don't know. Short answer. Um, not in my decision to make. I would think the MLB has to look to the NBA because um, the NBA is putting Black Lives Matters Black Lives Matter on the sideline of every court. As a sport, they're trying to make a difference where they can. And when they have an audience like they won't ever have again because of people's hunger for sports. Uh, so baseball has to do the same thing. Baseball needs to, as a league, do something to show that they're not completely tone deaf and they understand what's going on in the country. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a spot on answer. My follow up question is: You've seen Desmond and Zimmerman, two guys with young kids, they pulled out. Uh, the biggest question of all is: What's going to happen to baseball if you have a guy who's a superstar like Mike Trapp? And he's just the first example that comes to mind uh, because he's got a pregnant wife at the moment. What's the game going to do if a superstar pulls out? Because even in the NBA, we haven't seen a guy who's a superstar pull out yet. NBA's in trouble. Uh, on, so is MLB. I mean, there was another new... I mean, from the time we started, and I said there was like 50,000 cases yesterday, apparently that record was broken and there were more cases today. So, and uh, states are holding back, peeling back on their reopening plans. So starting, I mean, the leagues may not start. Uh, but what do the leagues do if a star falls out? Nothing. Well, I mean, who in baseball would you say is the most irreplaceable star? Um, it's a good question, honestly. There is because I, I think in terms of like marketability, I think it would be Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge. I mean, it it's should be Trout, Mike Trout. It's it should be Trout, but it's not. If Trout pulls out, I don't think anybody's maybe Angels fans are probably the only ones that you're going to lose some viewers. 
I mean, you don't you don't want to lose. If Judge pulls out, are you watching every Yankee game? Of course. Are most Yankees fans watching the games with or without Judge? He's been hurt all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying though speaks to a a larger non-pandemic problem with the MLB as well. Exactly. If LeBron if LeBron tweets right now that he's that he's opting out, the NBA has a problem. Yeah, because then you, I, you lose that one guy. That's a lot of eyeballs. Baseball doesn't have that one guy. I think the one thing the MLB does have going for them in that regard, though, is, and again, it's kind of just the nature of how baseball is as a sport versus basketball. But I really do think of somebody like LeBron. Let's take LeBron and Le- LeBron, Giannis, and Kawhi. Those will be my three guys, just for the sake of this argument. If one of those guys opt out on top contending teams, I do think there's going to be a lot of people that think oh, the championship's not legit. You didn't have to take down the top dog. Um, in baseball, you know, if even if for the Dodgers, if Mookie and Bellinger opted out, I, I don't think anyone would bat an eye if the Dodgers didn't win the World Series. I don't think, I don't, I don't think that would be the concern. I think it would just be, I mean, losing two guys on one team is tough. Even if it was Mookie and or Bellinger. Yeah, then it was, I mean, baseball's problem is the 60 game thing, as reasonable as it is, and I understand from a health perspective why it's in place. That That's why people are going to put an asterisk next to this champion. It's a third of the season. I mean, just because you said that, I got some more news, but I'm going to fast forward a little bit in the notes. Um, I mean, these are these are some 60 game stretches that have been had in the past 10 years. Uh, in terms of some major categories, just to give a perspective of how wonky everything could get. Um, In the past 10 years, the best 60-game stretch for batting average, Josh Hamilton hit 427 in 2010 over a 60-game stretch. Yeah, someone hitting 400 is is a distinct possibility this year. Hamilton hit 460. In 2015, Votto had a 560 on base percentage. Stanton had an 824 slugging over 60 games in 2017. Harper had a 1.269 OPS in his MVP season in 2015. Altuve had 103 hits in 60 games. Stanton in 2017 hit 33 homers uh, in 60 games in 2017. We Josh 33 Donald- homers out of Stanton. We're in good shape. Oh, it's my dream as a Yankee fan. Donaldson at 68 ribbies. On the pitching side, over 60 games, Jake Arrieta had a .41 ERA. Garrett Cole and Kluver each struck out 133 batters. Again, um, we're in good place with that. We get that as Yankees. And the Dodgers went 51 and nine. So I, just to show, it, it's Dodgers like. Dodgers go 51 and nine. The Yanks are in trouble. The Yanks are definitely in trouble. Um, but again, it shows, though, there have been guys who have put up these ludicrous 60 game stretches. And it'll just be interesting to see how legitimate fans take the stats at the end of the day. Like for me, I know people have discussed it. If somebody hits 400 this year, it do, uh, give him the batting title. That's great. Ted Williams is still the last guy to hit 406. Ted Williams is going to be rolling over in his freezer. <laughs> going to be rolling in his over in his freezer, indeed. To me, the only legitimate record that could fall this year is if somebody gets a if somebody has a 57 game hitting streak in a 60 game span, then Joe DiMaggio absolutely deserves to get kicked to the curb twice. Yeah. Safe. That's safe. Uh, that would be a valid record. Um, well, I mean, any sort of thing, anything that isn't percentage based is fair game. I agree. I mean, if, I, somehow, if someone wins 40 games or hits 74 homers. I just, I just hope one of the buzzer words has been for baseball in the past few months is pro rata prorated, whatever. I hope people don't try to make the argument of, oh, well, such and such. It's it's like what a lot of people do with the 94 strike. Like, such and such was hitting this on the break. He totally would have beaten the record. Like, no, I don't care if somebody was on pace to hit whatever home, however many home runs through 60 games, because the last 60 games of the season are often the toughest because you are absolutely gassed. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of, not the players dog it, but I mean, there are games in the middle of July when it's 110 out, and if you if you go down early, you're checked out by the third inning. It's just exactly. human nature. You can't do that in a 60-game season. 
Exactly. Moving from the major leagues to the minor leagues, again, this was no surprise because major league teams weren't going to supply minor league players this year. Um, But the minor league baseball community officially announced on Tuesday that they were canceling their season. um, And they said that more than half of their 160 teams are in danger of failing without government assistance or private equity injections. Uh, President Pat O'Connor said these are unprecedented times for our country and our organization, as this is the first time in our history that we've had a summer without minor league baseball played. This is a sad day for many. This announcement removes the uncertainty surrounding the 2020 season and allows our teams to begin planning for an exciting 2021 season of affordable family entertainment. We are fans in the stands business. We don't have national TV revenue. There was a conversation at one point, well, can we play without fans? And that was one of the shortest conversations in the last six months. It just doesn't make any sense given 85 to 90% of revenue is related to ticket money, concessions, ballpark, and ballpark advertising. Um, So again, he said, we'll call it over half. So 80 of the 160 minor league teams are in danger of failing. Um, Given that Manfred wanted to contract 40 teams this year as it is, what do you think if a hundred if there's 160 minor league teams now, and again we have no idea the finances behind them, but in your mind, given what Manfred wants, given the state of the finances, how many of those 160 teams do you think we see playing baseball next season? Ninety. Well, zero because I think the virus is going to fuck it again. As our president would say, maybe the virus will just magically go away. So say that happens. Okay, so. It's hard to say that happens, being the medical expert I am. Uh, but in a post-corona world, every team does every every team should have three, so ninety. I agree. I, to I mean, me, that seems like a lot, but. To me, every team should have four. I think rookie ball, A, double A, triple A, but you don't need to have – it's like as much as I love the Yankees, you don't need to have four or five teams all around the single A level. Like at a certain point, it is hoarding talent and doesn't mean – hoarding talent play. and this is – I will get a lot of hate mail from minor leaguers. But at a certain point, it's not going to happen. I, you and I are on the same wavelength. I was just going to say it with an eloquent quote from Moneyball. It's the children's yeah, game. We're all, <laughs> some of us are told at 18, some of us are told at 40 that we can't play, but we are all eventually told. Um, I do think in some way it will make baseball more competitive if you weed out some of these lifelong minor leaguers. It sucks for the players, but, you know, at the same time for a, uh, you know, from a finance standpoint, um, it makes no sense for the teams to have to pay an additional 150 players plus all the coaches, plus operate the facilities, uh, an extra however many scouts. At, at a certain point, it's just draining, it's just throwing money at something that you're not getting any returns. Well, what I was actually going to say is I think financially it might make even more sense for these minor leaguers just because we've talked about how so many minor leaguers are essentially paid at or below the poverty line. Like, for these guys, sure, you're chasing a dream, but for some of these guys who are, you know, lifelong minor leaguers and play until they're upwards of 30, that means they, at a certain point, are then a 30-year-old, I don't want to use the word washed up, so a 30-year-old former baseball player with no money in the bank to build your, the rest of your life on. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good way of putting what I meant to say. That, that's the entire thought of it's not going to happen. That's it all pieced together. Interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. I, the one, the one hope is, and the only reason I will never fully advocate for removing teams is just we've talking about. There's so many random little towns and cities around the world where minor league baseball is the heart of the city. Um, so it would suck for them and probably ravage their local economies. So if those teams become independent league teams, that I think is the best case scenario for all. The independent league, um, you can do some fun stuff there because it's not regulated by baseball. That's true. It is true. You get and you rose to come play. A lot of dollar beer nights too, which you know I think is a fan. Dollar game. beer nights. You can get uh, dancing Homer. I mean, who else is banned? Is Mejia is Mejia still banned? Uh, yeah, he's still on the lifetime ban list. So there you go. You can get Mejia, Pete Rose. Anyone else on that list? Isn't it amazing that Manny was one failed drug test away from being on the permanently banned list? Tough pill to swallow. 
That would have been a real bummer. I mean, as much as Manny crushed the Yankees, very few of any hitters that either of us have ever seen, I would say, that were more fun to watch. I love the guy. He is he is awesome. He's probably top three right-handed swings in our lifetime that we watch would probably be in no order. Manny Pujols, Miggy for me. A-Rod a close four. Manny is the first jersey I bought or T-shirt I bought of a player that did not play for my team. I, I too, there's images of me in Deerfield Beach, Florida with my grandmother uh, wearing a Manny Indians t-shirt jersey. I had the Dodgers 99. It's a classic. Is that as classic as the Manny uh, White Sox 99 or the Manny Rays 99? Um, I think the Rays is the most classic of that bunch. Didn't he get like seven games before he was popped again? Would you rather have the White Sox Manny jersey or the White Sox Griffey jersey? I would, would just if they screw it and have the White Sox Harold Baines jersey. Not the not Baines. <laughs> um, not Baines. Manny. Oh, it's usually Manny. What's the most like like obscure like a Griffey White Sox? If you could have any jersey like that, what would it be? I mean, I'm wearing a Samarj Jeff Samarja A's. That's pretty obscure, I think. Did he only get the half season there? He only got the half season. I bought this with my Yangervis Salarte Yankees t-shirt. That was all in one order. <laughs> Ooh, uh, the a, most, lot of people, a lot of people making that exact order, Chase? I would hope not. If they are, they're a bunch of schmucks. CC um, <laughs> Brewers jersey would be nice. The thing is, it's like it's obscure because it was a half season, but at the same time, it was – Arguably the most dominant season of pitching in the past 25 years, half season. I know. So it kind of it, 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 it works. You wouldn't want the Machado Dodgers? The Machado Dodgers was not as celebrated as some of these others we just mentioned. All right. I got, I got my obscure one. He was moved at the deadline to this team and help them win a world series. And has always been one of my favorite guys to have in fantasy. Give me a Ben Zobris Royals Jersey. World series MVP. But with the Cubs, no, no, I thought he won that world series MVP with the you're Cubs. right. You're right. You're right. It was Sal. It was a uh, Sal Perez. Which for Salvador Perez, he went from stranding the runner on third in the 2014 World Series, not that it was his fault, Mad Bum was on another level, to then winning World Series MVP the following year. Yeah, a nice redemption story. I also like a, a Pudge Yankees jersey. Pudge Yankees, Pudge Nationals. What number was Pudge on the Yankees? I don't remember offhand, but I know it's a number we've covered. Uh, I know, but I'm looking it up. But you can go whatever's next. I'd also like a Kerry Wood Yankees jersey, but that's just because I like Kerry Wood. Kerry Wood's a good guy. Kerry Wood, very good guy. A lot of good FaceTime in that 30 for 30, which I appreciated. Um, Ken Rosenthal reported that even though we have a season coming, although crazy enough, they haven't announced the schedule yet. So before I get to Rosenthal's report, let me ask 12. you this. He was 12? Yeah, Pudge was 12. Interesting. We would have covered this in the Spectre days. That was probably before we were even doing the Yankee numbers, to be honest with you. I'd have to go back and listen. Um, but before I get to this report from Ken Rosenthal, so they haven't released a schedule yet for the season. Um, and again, July 23rd is three weeks from today. Is going to be Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer. Um, but given that the teams know exactly which teams they're playing, you know where you're going to be traveling and not traveling. Do you think as a fan, it would, or the biggest component of this, sorry, I kind of fucked this up, is because fans aren't traveling the game, so fans don't need to make accommodations to go and visit a stadium. Do you think it's okay if they release the schedule like 15 games at a time? No. What? Hard no. Not even a thought. That is dumb. I agree it's dumb, but I think it could be the reality. Because it allows you to then kind of also plan for the pandemic on some level as well. How? I don't know. You like avoid try to avoid as many games in certain cities as possible during certain stretches of time. Then the problem is going to be though. There's 60 games. How are you going to avoid Texas and Florida the entire season? Yeah. So that's why it's dumb. 
Do you think Rob Manfred, given the state of Texas, could retroactively punish the Astros and make them play all 60 games on the road this season? And just say, say it's for medical reasons? Then, but then you're bringing down the Rangers. No, the Rangers, and you give the Rangers a new pass. You say they got to break in the new stadium. I like where your head's at, kind of, but not not enough to, to sign off on that. So Ken Rosenthal reported that even though there is a season, the MLB and Players Association are still negotiating contract options, performance incentives and bonuses, and escalator clauses. Um, and this is interesting because the league had initially sought to prorate the value of the 2020 options using the same formula as the salaries. MLB pushed back. Um, there's a lot of pushback over ones that are triggered by reaching a certain number of games or played appearances over the life of multiple seasons. An example would be John Lester's $25 million mutual option, which would become guaranteed with 200 innings pitch in a normal season. Hap has a $17 million club option with the Yankees that would be guaranteed 27 starts or 165 innings. Um, but the really interesting one here is someone like Andrew Miller. Uh, so he's a $12 million club option for 2021 that gets guaranteed if he pitches in 110 games in 2019 and 2020. He appeared in 73 games last season, which would have left him 37 games short of the total or 23% of an 160 games, 162 game season. The league might argue that his new target should be 23% of 60, which is 14 games. Um, but Miller might counter with different math, noting the league will play 222 of a possible 324 games in 2019 to 2020, which the corresponding of 110 games is corresponding percentage of 110 games is 75, which is just two more than where Miller stands. Uh, to me personally, I think with this, you need to just prorate it over two seasons. But how do you see this shaking out? Because to me, this seems like it could be another dumb sticking point. Miller's argument's wrong. Miller's incorrect. Two, two, two is two is not the right number. You should. The first thing is the correct. You should say he needed to pitch an X percent of the games in this year. So you just make that same percent go over to the new uh, to the new season. I just think my biggest thing is I get why they're arguing about this, but if you want prorated on the game, just keep it consistent at this point so we can get on with our lives. Yeah, I mean, there's only a few times where it comes up, but you'd hope that the teams do it right. I mean, that's a bad contract for Miller. Yeah, I, I think uh, not a great contract for Miller, but in the case of somebody like Lester – I mean, $25 million next year for John Lester. I think the Cubs got to do whatever they can to get out from that. I mean, Lester's still a good pitcher. Not $25 million a year good, though. But who is these days? To answer your question, who is a $25 million a year pitcher? Um, I think I have to answer your question with another question. Do you? What do you consider with the way economics has changed? Like, once upon a time, $25 million, you were a bona fide ace. Do you still consider that sort of DC a year? So twenty-five million, you have to be a, a legit no question ace. I still think twenty-five million is twenty-five million. All right, fair enough. Then I will ask. Then to answer your question, Scherzer's twenty-five million, Strasburg, Garrett Cole. Well, here's an interesting one: Scherzer, Strasburg. You have two no question guys. Is the third man in that equation, Patrick Corbin, a $25 million a year man, even though he's a three-starter on his own team? I think he makes close to it. I think he makes 23. Yeah, 23 million does sound right to me. I want to say the contract was – could it have been seven for 161? Did Boris get Corbin? I think it was six for 140. But I'll that, sounds, that sounds correct because the Yankees I don't think would go above 120. Yeah, that sounds right. There were just some massive. Yeah, was six for one forty. There's some massive fireworks going on in my neighborhood right now. Meanwhile, pretty crazy. Lucky. Absolutely crazy. So, along with coronavirus, we talked about before 
players opting out for health reasons. But the interesting thing this week that Brian Cashman, the Yankees GM, and Cubs GM Jed Hoyer both said was that under the Health Insurance Probability and Accountability Act, teams are not allowed to divulge the name of any player who tests positive. Cashman said, the information I've been given is the media will be left to try to figure it out. Somebody might be down and out, but we might not be able to speak about why. And it would be a speculating circumstance where you would have to use your journalistic superpowers to determine if there's anything there or not, what the circumstance might be. The MLB officially also said Tuesday that a team will not specifically announce a COVID-19 injury list placement for players removed from the club after testing positive, just an injured list trip. Um, I mean, we'll see. We're going to, you don't need journalistic superpowers. If a player plays in a game one day, doesn't get hurt, and then isn't playing the next day with a pandemic going on, you'll be able to tell what's happening. I agree with that. My, my question for you is we've seen a lot of athletes, celebrities, mostly public figures who get the coronavirus. I mean, yes, a doctor can't legally say such and such as God contracted the virus. But do you think we'll see baseball players who have contracted the virus continue to publicly state that they have gotten it? I mean, you see it. It's not it's not 100 percent. It'll be a lot harder to hide if you get it during the season. So I would expect positive tests to announce it. Okay. I agree with that. I, I think uh, we'll see what the players do, but it, at least it's good that the MLB got in front of this and said, you know, we're not going to tell you who tests positive or not. Um, I had a thing in the notes here about the Padres owner, Ron Fowler, talking about how he's going to lose $100 million, how free agency is going to be affected, and how they don't like Dan Meyer, the Players Association lead negotiator. But honestly – I'm sick and tired of talking about the owners. Um, the gist of it is, yeah, it seems like they actually are losing a lot of money. Free agents are going to play the price. Um, so what I want to get into next is the Yankees. They released their 60-man player pool. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, but any surprises on your end on this pool? Nope, I didn't even have a look, chance to look at it. I think I know who's going to be on the team. So the interesting thing to me was that they had uh, an infielder, an outfielder, and an infield-outfield section, and Andahar was listed in the infield-slash-outfield. I mean, he sucks in the infield, so can't be much worse in the outfield. So I'm going to name – I was going to ask you to do the full 30-man roster, but that would require a lot of work. So I'm going to just name some guys, and you tell me if you think yes or no on the team. All right, ready? Yeah. So third catcher, because I think every team is going to carry three catchers, at least early on. Who do you think wins the veteran battle between Josh Tolley, Eric Kratz, or Chris Iannetta? Iannetta. I think Iannetta, one for the power, but two, he's also on the MLB Players Association's executive board, and that means something to me. I just don't know what. Uh, it was interesting. They announced that they signed Matt Duffy. Uh, he was a big, big Rookie for the Giants, got traded to the Rays in the Matt Moore trade, and then has just gotten hurt. Um, do you see a guy like Matt Duffy maybe sneaking onto the team over a Tyler Wade, a Kyle Holder, um, or Rosario just his organizational death? Nope, not not this team. Too stacked. Um, Clint Frazier, on or off? I think off. Uh I think on. He'll he'll make the original 30. I don't know if he, when they start cutting, he may be one of the first to go. Tyler Wade or Clint Frazier? You can only take one. Clint. Interesting. You really believe that? Yeah. I would say Wade just so he can play all over and there's a little bit of speed. And I think Clint gets squeezed now that Judge and Stanton and Hicks are all healthy. You have those three, Gardner and Talkman, pretty locked in near top five outfield spots. Clint has upside and trade value if he's used properly. That's fair. It was nice to see uh, Garrett Cole pumping 96 to 99 heat at Yankee Stadium today, blowing it by Judge. Uh, my last my last guy is Mike Ford. Uh, had some nice moments with some lefty pop last year, but do you think the Yankees can afford to have him on their roster? This is where I'd have to see the full 60. He's another fringe guy who might make the first 30 and then get cut. So given there's no minor league season, a lot of the Yankees' top prospects are on here. You have Debbie Garcia's on here. You have Michael King. You have Clark Schmidt. Uh, do you think the Yankees get aggressive and keep some of those guys on the major league roster and use them out of the bullpen, just to even if it's last men in the bullpen, just to get them some true 
competitive experience this year or screw it 60 games. You got to just go with the best guys. Can't, you can't, you can't take chances in 60 games. Okay. And the guys who are often the ones who take chances, this is our transition into our draft. We're not doing a rewatchable this week. It's a holiday weekend. We're recording this on a Thursday. We'll probably be back with that next week. Uh, Probably will be our last few rewatchables coming up, right? Because once the season starts, you know, God willing, there's going to be a lot of real baseball to talk about every week. There should be. No days off. That's true. No days off. 60 games, 63 days. But the guys who make those big decisions or our managers, and Bryce texted me the idea for the draft this week, we are going to do a draft of former big leaguers who became managers. Uh, the one rule, which Bryce told me a little late in the game, it made me change my draft board, no player managers. However, if a guy was a player manager who then went on to just become a manager, that is fair game, correct? Yeah, that's fine. So I usually give you the offer of if you want the one or the two, three. If it's okay with you, I'm going to take the two, three this week. Yeah, that's fine. I um, I just have to do one quick double check on the old Wikipedia page, make sure there was some overlap. There was not. Okay, so I'm gonna make my first pick. I want Yogi. I was going to say, Bryce is is always big on picking of the biggest positional drop-off. I do have two other Hall of Fame guys at catcher, but Yogi would have been one of my two, three picks there. I mean, Yogi, Yogi, I mean, it's Yogi. All right, so I'm going to load up my outfield right now with uh, back-to-back. I think both guys manage the Rangers slash Nationals franchise, uh, and that's Ted Williams and Frank Robinson. Yeah, those are no-brainers. Shortstop is another position that I had really weak options for. Um, I only have two. So I'm going to have to go with Hall of Famer Luke Appling. Interesting. You didn't want to go with Boudreaux after we talked about him last week. Nope. Enough Lou Boudreaux. I want Luke Appling. All right, so Lou Boudreaux is going to be my shortstop, so uh, I'm going to wait to make that pick then. Um, I mean, third base, I'm pretty okay with either of these third basemen. So, oh, this guy did play catcher at one point. I'm going to take my catcher, Pete Rose. That's such a bullshit pick. What do you mean? He played catcher. I, I, I got to see if that's, I mean, I, how many games did he play for catcher? Uh, he played. Uh, turns out Pete Rose never even played catcher, so I am going to strike that pick from the record. Uh, you, should be, you should have to forfeit your pick this round. Nope, I'm still. You know what? I'm still going to take Pete Rose. I'm going to plug him into the outfield. That's a fine pick. So I have to take another Hall of uh, Holy. So you got the best three outfielders. That's fine. Bryce. Bryce, I do think there is one outfielder better than Pete Rose, but I wanted Charlie Hustle. Yeah, I also did. So now I'm yeah, – I'll just take – give me Mattingly and put him at first. All right. I'm going to grab my second baseman now and go with uh, Rogers Hornsby. That's cool. Uh, let me take Frank Howard and put him in the outfield. There's a million pens in my dad's office and none of them freaking work. Here we go. I just took Frank Howard. That's a good pick. Um, let me, you took a first baseman, right? I did. I mean, so third baseman. Give me, you know what? If I can have three 500 homer guys in my lineup, I'm liking my chances. Give me Eddie Matthews at third. Okay, not bad. So that leaves me with Molitor at third. I'll just take him. Um, 
I will grab my first baseman next, RBI machine, Pete Rose's teammate, Tony Perez. I'll take Kirk Gibson. So I need a catcher, a shortstop, and a pitcher. I mean, I'm choosing between inner circle Hall of Famers here, but give me the original big train, Walter Johnson. As it turns out, I messed up my draft board tremendously and only had five outfielders, and they're all off the board. So I'll go second base and take Ryan Sandberg. There is uh, another Hall of Fame outfielder that I've found, for what it's worth. Um, So I need a catcher here. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who – MVP guy and is near and dear to my heart, Joe Torrey. Where are you putting Torrey? A catcher. He came up as a catcher. That's fine. I will hold on. I will give you the positional breakdown. Um, Tory played the major- nine hundred three games, the most of any position at catcher. That's like five full seasons plus. Yeah. No. I. I that. That's. That. That is fine. That is allowed. Do you need what a pitcher and an outfielder? I have my pitcher, and I wanted to save him for last pick, but I don't have any more outfielders on my board. So I will do some research. Let me see. Why don't you take the picture in the meantime? Because I have a whole history lesson about my picture. I'm now going to end up taking Hank Bauer to be my manager. You mean to be your batting average 277? That's your last outfielder? Eight time champ. Love that. My pick, there, my pick there would have been Hall of Famer Larry Doby, but to each his own. Yeah, eight, eight rings, Chase. Eight rings. All right, and then I am rounding this out where the only Hall of Famer on my – not Hall of Famer on my team is the all-time hit leader, Pete Rose, with Lou Boudreau at shortstop. That's fine because you're going to – is, is your, your team's set? Yep. I'm going to take on the mound. The only man in MLB history he played was not a Hall of Famer. He then managed was not a Hall of Famer. But then made the transition into umpire where he became a Hall of Famer. You're not taking taking Leslie Nielsen, are you? I am not taking Frank Drebin. Do you know the only man in history to play, manage, and umpire? I, I saw his name when I was looking on the Hall of Fame. Is it something O'Connor? It's Hank O'Day. I got the O part right. Hank O'Day came up with the Toledo Blue Stockings in 1884, managed the Reds in 1912, and the, and the Cubs in 1914. All right. So um, career 73-110. and 110. So while you have a team that is probably more character-driven than mine, um, I, I will probably take this team against maybe any team we've assembled. Uh, given my catcher won the MVP, my first baseman had 1,700 RBIs and won two rings. Hornsby hit 400 a couple times. Boudreaux MVP. Eddie Matthews 500 homers. Ted Williams arguably the best hitter ever. Frank Robinson triple crown, all-time hit king, and the big train on the mound. Yeah, that's not bad, Chase. That's not bad, but is it as good as greatest or most uh, dramatic home run ever, Kirk Gibson? Some guy who I just looked up on Wikipedia, Frank Bauer, his brother, Frank Howard. That's going to get confusing. But Yogi, Yogi's going to have a field day with Frank Bauer and Frank Howard. Donnie Baseball, MVP. Ryan Sandberg, MVP. Luke Appling in the Hall of Fame. And just good guy, Paul Molitor at third. And, of course, Hank O'Day and his career record of 37 games under 500. I believe the manager of the year, Paul Molitor. Yeah, I got him with the Twins. Um, I have a lot of rings on my team. The one, the one stat that I will give your team, um, because Paul Molitor to me – it's so one of the more underrated first ballot Hall of Famers of all time. Uh, Paul Molitor in 1996, he signed with the Twins hometown team and turned 35. Or when he was 39, he had 225 hits, 41 doubles, 113 ribbies, 
and hit 341 with 390 on base. Some have to not make the all-star team. Hate to see it. You really do. Yeah, absolutely hate to see it. Um, any concluding thoughts? Any good 4th of July plans this weekend? No. No good plans. I'm working tomorrow. You guys don't get off? We do. But you're working anyway. Look at this guy, a model employee. I will be going to Chicago. I will uh, hopefully be at least walking by Wrigley Field. I was supposed to be going to a game. Obviously, that is not happening. Uh, and if you don't hear from me on the show next week, assume that the trip was a disaster. Stay quarantined for 14 days, Chase. Uh, I'm also just straight up getting tests. I'm getting the test Tuesday for sure. So that'll be something I could talk about next week is how uncomfortable in reality is the COVID test. Fact or fiction.